I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. I'm going to do, again, more teaching today. And I want you to know and understand that you cannot remain the same. You cannot stay the same. If you are not growing, we might need to put some dirt on you. I hope you are moving. Please move to let me know that you are in the land of the living. If nobody's moving, we need some dirt. Need some <laughs> Things that are living grow. They should grow. Plants grow. Even weeds grow that you don't want to grow. You plant something nice in your garden, here comes a weed that you did not plant. And you go and pluck it up, and it will come back again. It takes care. You've got to take care of your garden, and if you're not careful, any and everything will grow. Now, I don't know how if many of you heard, I just heard that New York is being overrun by rats. It's, it's been a problem, but it's getting worse. The population is growing. Rats can live on one ounce of water a day and one ounce on food. They can survive just on very, very little. Christians can exist on very little, but you're not going to do much growing on very little. There is no growth without being in the Word of God. I don't care how you cut it. You are not going to grow. Now, this ain't my message. I'm just giving this to you for free. But if you're going to grow, you're going to have to be in the Word of God and on your knees. Or pacing back wherever you might go for your own private devotion. If you don't have a devotional life, you better get one. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when you go to leave out of your house, the enemy is right there with the door open saying, where are we going today? And if you're not careful, he will accompany you all day long and mess with you. But I know one thing. When you start off your day with the Lord, he can throw all the darts, all the attacks he wants. He can do all of that he wants. But when you have started with the Lord, you are prepared to face whatever may come your way. I want you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray for the word and I'm going to have you remain standing while I read a portion of the scripture. Today we are grateful, Lord, in this place. We can worship you and give you all the glory and the honor. We thank you for the power of the Almighty God. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who strengthens us to walk in victory over sin. He gives us help day by day, and we thank you right now. Now, as we prepare to hear the Word of God, we pray that you will prepare our hearts and our minds to receive what it is that you have for us to, to hear. Give me words to say to the people today, and may the Savior of our soul be glorified. We do worship you. We do give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you remain standing, please. Chapter 5, verse, beginning at verse 33. If you remember, I left off last time, right here, verse 33, and we're going to pick up now with this passage. Matthew 5, verses 33 through 42. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oath you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. 
If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You may be seated. I'm going to read a few other passages. In the book of Exodus, chapter 21, Exodus 21, beginning at verse 22. Exodus 21, verses 22 through 25. Exodus 21, beginning in verse 22. If men, are, excuse me, if men who are fighting hit a pregnant woman and she gives birth prematurely, but there is no serious injury, the offender must be fined whatever the woman's husband demands and the court allows. But if there is serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Stay right there. Look over at chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. Leviticus 19, verse 12. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 says, This is what the Lord says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Then finally in the book of Psalms, Psalms 48 Verses 1 and 2. Psalms 48, Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2. The book of Psalms, but Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2. It says, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. It is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the utmost heights of the fawn is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. As a title, as you know, we're dealing with the overall title, subject, the Sermon on the Mount, the subject, the Sermon on the Mount. And as a title, I've given, watch what you say and watch what you do. Watch what you say and watch what you do. Matthew 5, verses 33 through 37, is not a command that's found in Scripture, but it relates to Exodus 27, Leviticus that we read, 19:12, And even though we didn't read Numbers, a portion of Numbers, chapter 30, verse 3, the command that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount is a summary of the passages of Leviticus 19, Exodus 27. When you look at Jesus upon the mountain, we need to go back and remember that he went up the mount and he sat down, which was the place or the position where teachers, that's the position that they would take. And the Bible says that his disciples came to him, as well as other people. Between chapters 5 and chapter 7, you will find the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going through each section. And Jesus, as he's teaching the people, is expanding, as you know, the ideas or many of the commandments that are found in the book of Exodus. When we look at the matter of oaths, there were oaths that were taken in the Old Testament. And if we're not careful, we will misconstrue what Matthew is saying and we will think somehow that a person is not to take an oath. But we're going to break down these, this passage here 
as best we can. The religious leaders were using oaths in a very casual way. They were understanding that when one took an oath that one had to be very, very careful in breaking an oath that they made to God. Oaths or promises did not mean much to them. You see, they were concerned about perjury, lying. But when you look at the passage that Jesus is talking about in the passage in Matthew 5 that we read, 33 through 42, it is dealing more so with a court scene. And if we're not careful, we would think when we're looking at the Word of God that the application of His Word and how we are to respond and what He's dealing with relates only to us. For example, when Jesus is teaching the people, there was a context that He was giving them And the context that Jesus was giving his disciples and the people was that you have heard before that these things were said. But I'm telling you in this context here, it is broader than what the Old Testament was saying based on what the religious leaders are giving you. You see, they're trying to go by the letter of the law, but there was a spirit behind what Jesus is now telling them. There was a deeper application that he wanted the people to get. What the religious leaders were doing, they were telling the people that it's okay to have this oath, but you can break this promise. It's okay to make sure that you obey this oath, but you, can't, but you can break this one. It's okay if you defile the altar, but not the gift that's on the altar. It's okay that you defile the temple, but not the gold in the temple. The religious leaders were were teaching and telling the people things that contradicted what the Lord said in his word. What God is saying to these individuals, these people here, is that one has to be careful when they are making oaths. You see, there are times when a person, in order to back up what they're saying, they'll say, I swear to God that I'm telling the truth. Uh, I, I, on, a, on a stack of Bibles, I'm, t- I'm telling the truth. On my mama's grave, I'm telling you the truth. And what people were doing in the religious leaders, they were trying to bolster their claims by bringing on oaths to help to verify what they were saying. But let me tell you this. If a person has to pump up and to place other things on top of it, it is likely that that person is not telling the truth anyway. If you've got to say a lot of other things on top of what you are saying, the likelihood is that you're not going to do it anyway. I promise, I promise, I promise, I'm going to be there. I promise, I promise, and come and behold, you ain't there. And so the religious leaders were breaking oaths, and then what they were also doing, they were taking oaths in everyday conversations. They were making these oaths, and and they were using them in such a casual way to where it didn't have any meaning. You see, in the Old Testament, when the Bible says when a person made made an oath, they would make an oath to God in order to carry it out. The Lord says, when you make an oath, be sure to do it. Because an oath was binding. An oath was was so important that you had to be very careful to do exactly what you said. In other words, don't make an oath. You You see, sometimes we will make oaths and we really don't need to do it. So when we think about oaths, there are two aspects. There's an oath of perjury, of lying, but there is also an oath of profanity, being profane. And what does that mean, profanity? It doesn't just mean cussing. It means that you are making oaths and you really have no intention on carrying it out. The religious leaders thought somehow that not using the name of God meant that they can use other names in making an oath. But when the Lord told the people that you are not to make any oath, By heaven, which is God's throne, by the earth, which is his footstool, 
or even by the hair on your hair. I ain't got no hair, so a little bit, little, little bit on the side. <laughs> and so what they were doing, they were thinking that we're okay because we can make these oaths by heaven. But God says this. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't you realize that heaven is God's dwelling place? It's his throne. And, and, and when you take an oath and when you make a statement and then try to, to have heaven back it up and try to make God responsible for something that you've said, God says, I don't have a responsibility to answer you based on something that you've said and injected my name. And they thought they were getting off the hook by saying, I swear by heaven, since I didn't say God. Because you see, some people were very scared to use the name of God or the name of Jehovah, Yahweh, because his name was holy. But they thought that I could swear by something else. So rather than in the context of swearing by court or in a, in a solemn assembly or before a magistrate, they were just using it in everyday common language, just throwing oaths that didn't mean anything. And so Jesus expands the understanding of the people by saying, you are not to take oaths at all. In this sense, in other words, don't make an oath and say by heaven, because that's God's throne. And then we says by the earth, it is his footstool. It is, it is his place where it says the Lord looks down and places him, his foot. It is his holy place. And not even by yourself, not even according to your own body. You cannot change the color of your hair. And I'm not talking about using Clairol or whatever hair colors they have today. What is he saying? You don't have the ability to change anything about your disposition, your hair. You can't make yourself gray or black. You see, because gray oftentimes is associated with wisdom. And so the people were thinking that we can do this. But God is saying, be careful what you say. And so he says this, and even in the book of James, when you give a response and you make a vow, just let your conversation when you're in everyday language talking to people and, and you're standing having conversation, just let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. The Bible says anything more than this comes from the evil one. So when you are speaking to someone, don't feel like you got to bolster. Some people say, I want you to promise me that you're going to do this. Well, if my word is not good enough, then my promise is not going to help nothing. What, what was to happen if I'm on my way to meet you and I get into an accident? I got all the intentions in the world and yet I forget. So sometimes I just say, I plan to be there. I plan to do this. You don't have the ability to swear. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God. In vain. You say today when people are taking God's name in vain, there's a lot of cussing today. It is is a shame to even hear those that are saying, I belong to God using God's name in vain. God's last name is never and has never been damned. Never. People throw out these flippant words. And God says that for everything that we utter, we're going to give an account. And so we use our mouths to blaspheme the God that the Christian is to worship. The world may do it, but it should never be something that the Christian, those that are saying, I call upon the name of the Lord, my God, and the next sentence, somebody using his name in vain. Thou shalt not use the name of the Lord, thy God, in vain. God is a holy God, and he honors his name. We don't have the ability to do anything to change who God is. God is God, and we must be careful that we reverence him and give him the honor that he so rightly deserves. Jesus says behind all that is said that is beyond just saying yes, it's the enemy. When we think about things that are said, to bolster, it oftentimes is a subtle way where the enemy comes in. 
Do you not know that there are people who watch and listen very carefully to what you say? Do you not know the world is listening to what you say? They're looking at what you do and they're listening to what you say. Do you not realize that if you are not very careful, you will say something, then you will turn around and say, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. And somebody said, yeah, yeah, you, you, you said that. No, I, I, I didn't say that. I, well, I got it right here on tape. <laughs> that ain't my voice on that tape. <laughs> there was one person in the Bible when the Lord said, Sarah's going to have a baby. And she laughed and said, <laughs> you're right, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to have a baby after I'm holding my husband's all worn out. I'm going to have a child. And the Lord says, why did Sarah laugh? I, said, God, I, I, didn't, I didn't laugh. I didn't say anything. And the Lord said, yes, you did. <laughs> the Lord confronts us right where we are. The Lord expands. When I tell you, when I mentioned before, whenever you ask a question, be careful because the Lord is going to answer not only the question, but he's going to answer the intent behind the question. You see, there are people, at, there are people that will ask you a question, but you know that's not the real question that they're asking. Underneath the surface, there's something else that's going on, what we call intent. There's something behind that. Well, you said that, but there seemed to be something else behind that question. Sometimes I'll come home, and, I, and, and my wife, she'll say something. Like, Hi. And I'll say, what's wrong? Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm thinking, mm, something, that ain't, something, something, something's up. And then later she'll, re- she'll reveal it. And, 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 it's, and it's because I've gotten to know who she is. I've gotten to know the type of person she is. Or she says, what's wrong? Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm thinking, oh, Lord. <laughs> so we're going to walk. Well, this is what was bothering me. I thought something was wrong. <laughs> well, the Lord is able to discern the heart, and so we need to be careful. But when you make a vow, the Lord says that we're to carry it out. Now, let me just um, say this before we go on. It is okay to make oaths in court. There are times when you are said that you must, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, it is dealing with the court situation and it is dealing when you are with magistrates or in a legal situation where you may have to give an oath. They will do that in regards to the point that you're saying, yes, I promise to tell the truth. It is different than in regards to everyday life when you're talking to your friends and just flippantly throwing out oaths or using God's name in vain. That's different. You can take oaths. There are some people who says, I can never swear. The Bible says not swear. That is not what it's referring to in regards to court matters. So I just wanted to make sure that you understand that. In verses 38 and 39, the next section that the uh, Apostle Paul uh, Matthew deals with, the disciple, is that he teaches about retaliation. Now keep in mind, we're still dealing with the court scene. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. You see, the religious leaders were taking the position that it is okay to get personally even with people. Now get this. When God gave the law, when he gave the law to Moses, how many laws were there in the Old Testament that God gave? Those who have been... 600 and what? Huh? 613 laws. And the Ten Commandments, the Ten, are the summary of all of those laws. And I've told you that our moral laws actually come from the Ten Commandments. The moral laws of today come from the Ten Commandments, whether society wants to recognize it or not. Our moral laws are from the Ten Commandments. Under the law, there's prices to be paid. The Lord gave the government the ability to 
enact and to provide the discipline and the consequences when laws are broken. When you are breaking the law, most of you will drive down the street going 80 miles an hour looking in the rearview mirror to see if you see some lights coming up behind you. <laughs> you are driving. Now, it's good to periodically check the mirror. But you don't want to just be standing, gazing in the mirror. <laughs> but we need to understand that. His, his sister from said, Pastor, you drive fast too, don't you? You drive fast. <laughs> no, I drive the speed. I put my car on cruise control so that I can be sure to stay in the speed limit. <laughs> when we look at this particular matter, oh, you made me lose my place here. <laughs> the religious leaders were trying to take matters into their own hands, I said, but when you look at the law in, its, in and of itself, the idea is that God's given the government the ability to enact rules. So when the Bible says tooth for tooth and, 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 and hand for hand, it was a matter that if a person committed a crime, they were to receive the same type of of consequence or punishment that they meted out. Now when the Lord says that you are not to give eye for eye, not take eye for eye, tooth for tooth, what was the Lord saying? What the religious leaders began to teach was that they were saying, if somebody does you wrong individually, you have the right to go after them. You have the right to get even with them. And so what Jesus said, no, that is not your right. That has been reserved for the courts, that has been reserved for the, the officers, that has been reserved for individuals. But it, now listen carefully, because some people can take things too, 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 take it too kind of far out there. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to protect your family. It doesn't mean that you don't have the right to defend yourself. But what we're talking about is personal vendettas against somebody. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get him, and I'm just going to wait for the right opportunity, but I'm going to get him. That's what the Lord is talking about. Some people, I told you that story. I, I'm going to tell it again. I was working over in East Oakland, and I called her my second mother. But her children were arguing and fighting. One daughter had already moved out of the house, but she was upset with her brother. Three of them. Years had passed. She drove in the middle of the night from Sacramento to Oakland, opened the front door quietly, walked over to the cops where her brother was hit and hit him a few times and ran out the house, got back in her car and drove back to Sacramento. I am not making that up. She had told, I'm going to get you. She harbored that feeling and resentment for years. And she then took the opportunity to drive, and she told herself, tonight, this is the night. <laughs> I'm going to fulfill the vow I made to myself. I'm going to get him. Eye for eye, and, two, and she drove, and he had no idea what happened. <laughs> and there she is, driving back to Sacramento. That's what Jesus is talking about. You don't have the right to go get even with someone. And the religious leaders, those were those, because remember, the people couldn't read. They were being taught, and then the scriptures had to be explained to them, and they were telling people, you can take the law into your own hand. Jesus tells them right here in this verse, you have heard that it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn also the other also. Now, now this next part here, turn also the other to him. Now, there's some things that some people can do to you that will really, it doesn't hurt you, but it insults you so much to the point to where it can enrage you. 
If somebody were to spit on you, it wouldn't hurt physically, but oh my goodness, it would be such a humiliation that it would send you into a rage. So when Jesus says, someone slaps you on the right cheek. Now, understand this context. In this time, most of the people are right-handed. It means that someone stands here and on your right cheek, that means they backhanded you. Pow! I wouldn't hit you, sister. <laughs> that was one of the greatest insults to be slapped, but then backhanded. So when Jesus says that someone hits you on the right cheek, it was an insult to be slapped, but to be backhanded was even more of an insult. Turn to them the other cheek, he says also. Now, he's not saying turn the other cheek and get knocked out. He's saying don't retaliate. In other words, if somebody does you wrong, not even the whole matter of slapping, he used that because it was something they could identify with. Somebody does you wrong, he says. Something just got to let it go. Got to let some things go. It does not mean that you cannot take people to court. Believers should try to work things out as believers because the Lord has given us the privilege to be able to resolve things within the church. So we should always try to resolve. But there are some times when you may have to go to court. But for the believers is to try together to have things worked out so that that doesn't happen. But the Lord has given the people a different way to respond. Don't respond because the idea of what the teacher is saying, you've got every right to go right after them. And Jesus says, no, the law is saying, allow for my vengeance and my judgment to take over. You see, there are times when God wants to do something. You see, when we want to get even with a person, we do it and that's it. But when God has the ability to intervene, he knows how. He knows how to handle the situation and to address it. And then sometimes you're thinking, well, I hope when God does it that that person knows it's because of what they did to me. I hope they make that connection. Don't make a difference if they make that connection or not. I know some of y'all thinking that way. They did me wrong. Lord, do it and let them know. That is because of what they did to me. And we're hoping that somehow they can just get back in the... And, and I know some of you are hoping that you could be right there to observe it. Lord, let me see it when it happened. I know. And the Lord is sometimes just waiting. No, I ain't giving you that privilege. I'm going to handle it. I know, y'all. <laughs> Want to be right there. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. <laughs> so if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to the person, the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him. And let him have your cloak also. Now what is this? It's talking about if, if you have been sued yourself, You've done something wrong. This is something a person has a legitimate case against you. You see, in this day, people had their clothing, but then they had a jacket or this, this clothing over top, and then they had another piece of clothing over, over that. And so if a person was sued and that top clothing was taken, then there was another piece of clothing. Well, don't resist that they take that here. But you see, in the Old Testament, what the Lord was saying would have to happen if a fellow Israelite had been um, indebted to another Israelite and they took that person's clothing. The Bible says they were to return it at night because they had to, that was all they had, they were to sleep in. In other words, the person that's being sued is very poor. The idea is that if you take their tunic, the fact they have nothing but their clothing, if you take that, for the Israelites, they were to give it back to them at night. 
But the Lord is saying in this passage here that if a person wants to sue you here, don't go, I'm going to get them. I don't have nothing. Oh, yes, I do. Go ahead and, and back off and let them have that. When we think about when Jesus is saying, don't resist, it is setting the context that one's attitude and actions has to be completely different than what the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees had been, had been teaching. person wants to do something. Do your best to resolve it. But be careful how you go about trying to handle it. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with the person two miles. <laughs> now this is an interesting one as we bring this to a close. Well, let me, let me say this. I want to go back for a minute. I want to go back to this matter of lawsuits. Some people buy something, and I like what Dr. Butler says. <laughs> if you were sued, let's say that you bought a car. That's an example that was used. And you are not making payments, and they're going to come back and repossess the car. Don't go try to hide the car. <laughs> Don't go put it in your garage and lock it up. Don't come when the tow truck comes. Don't, don't go breaking out windows. In fact, what he's saying is this. Why don't you go ahead and wash the car and vacuum it? And says, here, here you go. That would be totally different. So if somebody wants to sue you, be nice about it. Here you go. Let me take care of this for you. But you see, when people get certain things, they somehow feel that they don't have to pay for it. Our attitude has to be different. Now, I know I'm talking about people in another place. I'm not talking about y'all. It's somebody else. I understand that. So just in case you know somebody like that. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now let me say this. When Jesus is given this parable, you need to understand that the context... Oh, somebody's phone is going off. Oh, you got it. Oh, we had two going off? All right. When Jesus is given the, this, this, this illustration... We need to understand that if at this time they didn't have any mail carrier routes, they didn't have the mailman, they didn't have the ability to put their mail on a 747 and send it across country. They had these different posts in different areas that one of the kings or the Caesars had set up. And so they had these places where either a person was stationed or individuals with donkeys or horses, and a person was to take a letter or take this, whatever was given, take it to the station, then that person would pass it on and that person would take it to the next. When Jesus says that someone forced you to go a mile, so here's the idea. Let's say that you were brought into service. You have to take this particular thing that someone has given you, the king. And then you are to take it to this post station. When you get there, somebody comes out and says, I want you to take it to the next one that's five miles down the road. The Lord says, if a person does that, then go the second mile. In other words, don't resist, even if it's going to take you out of the place where you were going. Just, okay, I'll take it. Because if you were in, if something was official, the king had the ability to use whatever you might have had for the service of whatever it was that he needed to get done. A person, their personal property. What's one of the examples? Do you remember when Jesus 
was on his ro- on the road and he was he was going up Golgotha's Hill, who was going through uh, I think the city and the streets to be crucified. And then Simon came and they forced Simon to carry his cross, just came into town. That's the idea that a person could be taken. It was not something of the Roman, it was from a Persian principle that a person could be urged into the service and be compelled to perform an act even if they didn't want to. That's the idea that Jesus has given. If you have been dragged into service and you think that you are only going from point A to point B and somebody else comes and says, I need you to take that further. The Bible says don't resist. Gladly do it. I'll go on and do it. That's the idea. And what is Jesus doing? He is taking these extreme examples because these are areas where the people would have a problem with and they would clearly understand and that they would know and they could identify with. So somebody compels you to go one mile, don't resist. Now, it is believed that our mile is not necessarily the mile that they were talking about back then. It might have been a much further distance. Some of y'all says, I ain't going way up my way. You live where? I ain't taking you there. I'll give you some bus money. No, that's 10 miles out my way. I ain't going there. Here, I take, I'm taking you here, and you can catch this and go over there. This is the idea. Where are you going? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you. I'll, 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 yes, I'll give you a ride. I know some of y'all, somebody's driving, oh, there's such a, I can't, I can't, don't, can't see me going by. Oh, were, were you standing there? I didn't, see, I didn't see you. But again, y'all don't do that. That's just some people that I know. Y'all don't do that. Bridget says she don't drive, but you can take somebody's groceries. What are you doing with God's word? Are you living under guilt rather than obedience? Some people today live under guilt rather than obeying God's word. Some people are trying to justify why they are not doing what Christ says. Well, the reason, Lord, I can't do this is because No, if God says that you can do this, the Bible says I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You know, I'm convinced that we do what we want to do. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced that I can get energy to do exactly what I want to do. And if there's something that I don't want to do, not going to get done. Or it's going to get done with an attitude. We have a responsibility to do what God says to do. Even your enemy, even the person that you have been planning to do wrong to, the Bible says, no, but do good. Do good to those who even despitefully or spitefully use you. Why? Because it's the Lord that's doing the work. If you expect to be forgiven by God, you've got to forgive. If you expect to receive God's blessing, you've got to be, you should be expected to also pass what God is doing along. Everybody that's on the street begging for money, you don't have a responsibility to give them something. Sometimes the Lord may prompt you. That's not what it's talking about, anybody that asks of you give. No, that's not just what it means, just give to anybody. But it does mean that, for example, you're having a problem with your worst enemy. And there you go down the street, and that person has a flat tire. (laughs) And you, yep, No, pull over and help them. 
pull right on over and go, can I help you? Can I go get some gas for you? That's what that's dealing with. When you ask God for patience, I told you this, that God's going to give you patience. But remember this. It's going to require that you go through things. You don't get patient just by praying for it. It's, oh, there's patience. No, you go, you're going through something. Stop complaining about your trials and say, Lord, if you brought the trials, take me on through so that you can get the glory. If there's a person that, Lord, I need to overcome, put them right in the place where I can help them. How many of y'all pray like that? Pray, Lord, I'm praying for my enemies. Not, Lord, I'm praying for my enemies so that I don't kill them. No, that ain't the prayer that I'm talking about. I'm talking about, Lord, place them right in the place where I can be a blessing to them. Now, that's a prayer. And God will do it. He'll, he'll create an opportunity for you. But stop trying to avoid those things. You want patience? He'll give it, but you've got to go through. Give to those who ask. Some people just need to go to work. Had a person just last week, not last week, just a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was, asked him a several questions in the parking lot. She was asking for money, and I had just gone to Target. Honestly, I had a, I had a cereal craving. I had to go to the store to get some cereal. I was, ooh, I got to get some Raisin Bran Crunch. I'm not kidding. Went in and got it, and, I, and I'm trying to get back home because I was watching something, and she stopped me and gave me this story that I didn't really believe. So I said, so tell me, what's the problem? And I paused and stopped and started talking to her. I then, I can tell she started getting perturbed because I'm asking all these questions. Well, you're asking for my money? You can answer some questions. And she said, you're, the, you, you, you're taking much more time than anybody else. Well, I want to know what the problem is. Can, can, we'll, it, if this is not going to solve it, how can we solve this problem? How come you're not working? I'm in front of Target. Have you filled out an application? I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And at the very end, I didn't give her anything. In fact, I did. I had a couple of dollars in my, because I normally use my credit card. I, I gave her a couple of dollars, and I said, here you go. And she thanked me, but kind of walked away kind of fast. I said, uh-huh. About 10 minutes, I talking to her. In fact, I put myself in the car and was leaning on the car door, just talking to her. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what the issue is. Y'all need to do that. People are asking you, stop. Ask them, what's the problem? They start getting upset, then you don't want my money. We need to learn to help people out there as well as in the church. We have a responsibility. Stand to your feet. I want you to think as we pray and dismiss. I want you to think about points that I made. Who are you? Who's your enemy that you consider your enemy, a person that you just are struggling with? What has God called you to do that you're saying, oh, God, I, I can't do this? What promises have you been making, oaths you've been making, and you know you shouldn't? You just should say, yes, I'll do it, or no, I can't. What are you, be, what are you being pressured into doing? Then, are you living under guilt? Or are you living in obedience to what God says you need to do? Lord, in this place as we leave, we are praying today that you will help us to be the church, to be a people that's transformed, a people that's growing, a people that's willing to go through trials and 
difficulties so that, God, you can get the glory and the honor. Help us to watch our complaining. Help us to make sure that we will go out of our way to help people because we don't even know what that person may need or what it might even do to them down the road. We are praying today that we will be open and receptive and that our understanding of God's Word will be expanded. That we will do everything that you've called us to do. We'll bless our enemies. and We, Lord, won't be people that won't try to avoid difficulties or difficult situations, but we will say, God, prepare me. Prepare my heart to be able to receive what it is that you are doing. Help me to be able to have a different outlook than what I've had in the past. Help me to, Lord, look at people as people that you love and have died for. And that you've called us to go into the world, Lord, and to preach the gospel. To share the good news of Jesus Christ. To be examples of the Lord. And if we are to, Lord, take this Sermon on the Mount, that we are to, Lord, do what you've called us to do. And we're to be the church of God. And the people that you've called us to be. And that we are to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to your name. We give you glory. We give you all the praise. And we magnify you. And as we leave this place today, place in our lives, in the midst of us today, a person that we can share whatever it is that you have for us to share with them. We pray today that you create opportunity this week for us to be tested and tried so that we, Lord, can put into practice what it is that we've heard here today. And if we forget, Lord, the lesson, quickly help us to remember that we can say, oh, this is what the pastor said. We pray today that you will prepare our hearts and minds. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name.